All right, so we missed last week, which was so fun to celebrate Valentine's Day together. Um, but just a review from the past few weeks, the plagues have started in Egypt, and every plague has a meaning because God is like slowly making a statement. Well, I guess he's making a lot of big statements over a period of time. And with each plague, he's saying, I am God, I am God, I am God. And he's tearing down um, one of the Egyptians' gods. So um, the last time we met, we talked a lot about the frog queen of Egypt and how funny that was. And it makes me laugh every time I think about it. Um, but yeah, so this week we're going to dive it back into the plagues. And we're going to cover almost all of them except for the last one. Because the last one is the biggest one. So we're going to take a whole week on that. Um, but this week, we're going to go through the rest of the plague. Um, so again, all these plagues have a purpose, and some of them, um, the purpose is a question. So he's, it's like God is asking the Egyptians a question. Um, so we'll go over that too. Um, but the interesting thing is Pharaoh is continually warned about every single one of these plagues that is going to start. Um, so every single time he is warned that it's going to come, and then he deliberately disobeys, and then it happens. And then sometimes he's like, I repent, I repent. And he wants it like Moses to change things for him. Um, but other times his heart is hardened or God hardens his heart or he hardens his own heart. Um, so why do you guys think that God continued to choose to warn Pharaoh about all these plagues? Because God could just carry out these plagues without warning Pharaoh. Why would God choose to warn Pharaoh over and over again? Show him it's not, it wasn't just a coincidence. Yeah. Like, to speak these things out before, so when it did happen, he's like, oh. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. That is so true. Yeah, because if, I mean, could it possibly happen, just happen? Yeah. Yeah. But if, if he knows about it a day before, mm. he's like, oh, so is this going to happen? Then it does. Yeah. He's not like, oh, like there just happens to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. So it's not just a coincidence. Yeah. Why else do you guys think God continued to warn Pharaoh, even though Pharaoh disobeyed him every time? Maybe to give him a chance? Yeah. Give him a chance. God always gives us a choice. We have a choice to like choose Jesus or not choose Jesus. We have a choice to obey him or disobey him. Even if we choose over and over again the wrong choice, he always offers us another choice. Um, so yeah, we're going to see that a lot in chapter 9. Um, so we see that the Egyptian economy is really struggling because their Nile is done. Their livestock is like almost dead. A lot of their people probably can't work. There's flies everywhere. There's frogs everywhere. Well, I guess some of those things got taken away. But the economy is really suffering, and Egypt is just this huge, powerful country that is slowly disintegrating into nothing before their very eyes. So this amazing city, this amazing country that they built up is showing no power at all. Um, So let's see. Oh, I skipped over something. Sorry. Sorry. I must have messed up my notes. Um, okay, yeah, the fifth plague, the first plague we see in chapter 9 is that all the Egyptian livestock dies. Um, so this is kind of my point, and, like, the economy is really struggling at this point because there's no there's no livestock. There's no food to eat. There's no things to trade. There's no livestock to, to like, you know, till the, is it till, till the ground, whatever that word is. But the economy is really, is really struggling here. So their food, their water has all been, just taken away because of their disobedience. <laughs> she listening. Um, 
And God makes a statement by allowing the Hebrew people for their livestock to live. So in all these plagues we're going to talk about today, the Egyptians are going to suffer from the plagues, but the Hebrew people are not going to suffer from the plagues because the Hebrew people are God's people, and God is choosing to protect them, to also bring glory to himself, and to make a statement to the Egyptians and to Pharaoh that these people are his people. And when we live in the obedience of God and we're in his presence, not a lot of things can harm us. So life can throw a lot of things at us, but God protects us and he's our refuge. Um, so let's take a look at verse 7 of chapter 9. It says, And Pharaoh sent, and behold, not one of the livestock of Israel was dead, but the heart of Pharaoh was hardened, and he did not let the people go. Um, so rather than seeing the people and seeing that their livestock was alive and his heart being softened and thinking, I want my livestock to live, I'm going to turn to the Lord, Pharaoh's heart is bittered and he turns against the Lord. Um, so we're going to see here in this chapter that God sometimes allows Pharaoh to harden his own heart and then sometimes God hardens Pharaoh's heart for him, which is something really hard to think about because we think, why would it be God's glory to purposely harden someone's heart? Wouldn't it be so much more glorifying to himself if he softened his heart and Pharaoh was like obedient and repentant and became a believer? Like wouldn't that be so much more glorifying to God? But God has a plan and I still don't really know how to answer that question. But all we know is that this this back and forth of Pharaoh hardening his heart, God hardening Pharaoh's heart, it shows that when we harden our hearts, that it's not always God hardening our hearts. We have a lot to do with our hearts. So Pharaoh and his sin hardens his own heart. Um, so he chose this way himself too. God wasn't forcing him. He chose to harden his heart too. Um, so yeah, that is the fifth plague is all the livestock is dead. Sixth plague is that the boils come. And this is really interesting. So Moses is commanded by the Lord to go out into the field and he lifts up dust and he throws it into the air. And somehow this dust lands on the Egyptians and it becomes boils on their skin. Um, and these boils are so, so terrible that they break pottery and they're scratching their body with the pottery um, and the boils um, are just like all over them. So it's just really painful. And then if we remember before, they already have had lice. They've already um, been swarmed with flies. So it's already really, it's been a really uncomfortable, probably like, I don't know what, what the time period was that this happened, but it's been a pretty uncomfortable time period. Um, so the Egyptians are really suffering here. Um, and it's so bad, we see in the second, in the seventh, sixth plague, sorry, that the magicians could not even stand before Moses. So either they're in so much pain or they're totally humiliated that they can't even stand before Moses and re redo the redo the miracle that Moses just did. Um, so they had no power at all. Um, and then we see that God hardens the heart of Pharaoh again. Um, so let's go back to that original question. Why do you think God saw it best to harden Pharaoh's heart? Because in this play, God hardens Pharaoh's heart. So why do you, why do you think God chose to harden Pharaoh's heart himself? Yeah. I mean, we don't have to know. Yeah. That's what he did. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. It is his plan. Yeah. It was for his glory. And because Pharaoh's heart remained hard, remained hardened, all these other plagues were happened, and they continued to show that God was God, that he was that he was supreme. Um, so yeah, and then the next plague, and this is we're skipping fast through the first two, but the next two are gonna be are pretty lengthy. Um, the next plague is hail. So have you guys ever been in a hailstorm before? Yeah. 
it's pretty scary. Pretty scary, like ice chunks are falling from the sky. Um, and then it breaks things. Sometimes it breaks like the glass in your, in your car or it'll break a window. Um, hail is not fun. And this is one of the worst hailstorms in all of history. In fact, um, the only shelter from the storm was the people of God, the Hebrew people. They were sheltered from the storm. They were in, they were under God's care, under his refuge. But anyone that was outside, so even the Egyptians, if they were outside in the field, like working in the field and the hailstorm came, they died. Um, anyone that was not inside did not live. Um, and we see, I think it's in verse 13. Do, 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 do. Maybe not. Um, sorry. Um, <laughs> my brain is like so scattered tonight for some reason. Um, but the only shelter from the storm was the Lord. And we see that actually some of the Egyptian people, they believe that the Lord is true to his word and they choose to stay inside their houses. But th- those who don't believe, they go out and they're in the field and they die in the hailstorm. Um, so the question that God is asking the Israelites here is where do you run for shelter? They ran to their gods, um, but their gods were nowhere to be found. But the, the Israelites who found their shelter in the Lord, they were completely protected. Um, God is our refuge. God is our strength. And the people of Israel did not trust in the Lord, so they were not sheltered from the storm. Um, only the Israelites were, which I think is such a cool picture of just the of what God is for us. Like, he is our refuge. And when we're not in him, we are in grave danger. Um, but those who find their refuge in God will always be safe. Um, so I'm going to read verses 13 through 18. Um, real quick. Um, Then the Lord said to Moses, Rise up early in the morning and present yourself before Pharaoh and say to him, Thus says the Lord, the God of Hebrews, Let my people go that they may serve me. For this time I will send all my plagues on yourself and on your servants and your people so that you may know that there is none like me in all the earth. For now I could have put on... for, For by now I could have put out my hand and struck you and your people with pestilence? Pestilence. Pestilence. Thank you. And you would have been cut off from the earth. But for this purpose, I have raised you up to show you my power so that my name may be proclaimed in all the earth. Um, I thought this was such an important part of the story um, because it shows us three things. It's, it's I, like three things that God really wants us to lean into. Um, number one, God wants his people to be freed from Egypt so that they would serve him. Um, I think it's so interesting. I think it's in verse... Um, Verse 13, he says, let my people go that they may serve me. He doesn't say, let my people go so they can live amazing, happy lives and have this, like, flourishing, like, you know, for themselves. He says, no, let them go so they can serve me, so they can glorify me. Um, It was all for his glory, um, not for their happiness. Even though they reaped happiness because they were set free from slavery, it was not for their happiness. It was for his glory. Um, And that shows us that when God saves us, like, from our sin, when we put our trust in Jesus, it's not... It's, it, yes, it is for us, but it's also so that we can glorify him. The number one reason he saves us is for his own namesake. Um, and we're called to live according to him and glorify him in all we do and to serve him. And we get so much joy when we're living in his will and serving him that it is actually for our happiness. But the number one reason is for his glory. Um, and number two, we already know this. He is going to send these plagues so that all the people know that there is no other God. Everyone's going to be, know without a shadow of a doubt that there is a God and, his, and he reigns and he's the God of Israel. Um, 
but so yeah, no new, no new news here. Just a wonderful reminder that God is doing all of this so that everyone knows that he's God alone. Um, and then the part that I found so interesting is that God gave Pharaoh his power. Um, it says in verse 16, for this reason, he even says, like, you're not actually that powerful. I could take you out of power anytime I wanted to. You're not a threat to me, Pharaoh. Um, he could take Pharaoh out. He could take Egypt out. But rather, he raises up Pharaoh. He gives him power. He lets Egypt rise up to power just so he can display his glory. Um, so what does that tell us about big people now, like powerful people now, big, powerful countries now? What, what, how does God view powerful people in powerful countries? What do they look like to him? Very small. Very small. Yeah. Yeah, because he's the one that's giving them that power. He's allowing them to rise up. He's allowing them to have all this wealth and this prosperity and this power over other nations. Um, and God is just allowing that for some reason. We don't always know why. Um, why powerful people, sometimes like evil powerful people are in power. But they're not pow- more powerful than God. So Pharaoh's power is only his power because God is allowing him to have power. So does he really have any power at all? Nope. He does not. No power. Um, Pharaoh thinks that he's, he's strong, but he's actually very weak. Um, and God warns them that if anyone's outside, they will die in the storm. Um, so this is like a crazy hailstorm. I'm picturing like giant, like meteorites of hail coming from the sky, just like absolutely destructive. Um, and so dangerous that it had to be from God. Like it was not a natural, just another hailstorm. It was like definitely from the Lord. There's no way around it. Um, Oh, yeah, this is the part that I think I was trying to get to before when I lost my place. Um, In verse 20 through 21, it says, Then whoever feared the word of the Lord among the servants of Pharaoh hurried his slaves and his livestock into the houses. But whoever did not pay attention to the word of God left his slaves and his livestock in the field. I think this is so interesting and so cool that people that are outside of God's people were obedient to God in this moment. Um, And this kind of is a small reflection of how in the New Testament, Gentiles, those who are not not Jews, are welcomed into the kingdom of God. Um, So the the Egyptians are able to follow God if they want to. And it almost makes you wonder that when the people of Israel exited, Exodus, or exited Egypt in Exodus, I wonder if some Egyptians left with them. Um, I can't help but wonder if maybe some of them said, I want to go with these people. (laughs) I'm not staying here. Um, But who knows? I, I have a feeling that maybe there were a few. Um, so yeah, and then we see that all the people of Israel are protected. Um, so that question of where you run to for shelter was asked to of the Egyptians. Where do you run for shelter? In the middle of a hailstorm, where do you run? And, you, and we have to ask ourselves that question too. Where do you run? Do you run to the Lord? Do you run to comfort? Do you run to Netflix? Do you run to um, alcohol? Do you run to boys? Like what, what do you run to for shelter? What do you run to for comfort? What is it for you? Because if it's not the Lord, it'll never satisfy, and you'll be outside in the hailstorm, and you'll only you'll only experience death. But in, only in Christ, only in God, do we find true refuge, true safety, true life. Um, so jumping down to verse 27. Um, yeah, verse 27, it reads, Then Pharaoh sent and called Moses and Aaron and said to them, This time I have sinned. <laughs> this time I have sinned. The Lord is at the, is in the right, and I and the people are in the wrong. Plead with the Lord, for there has, not, there has been enough of God's thunder and hail. I will let you go, and you shall stay no longer. Um, so it looks like he might have repented, right? But we, we know better than that. 
What what mean what does true repentance look like? Yeah. Yeah, on your knees crying. Actions, not just words. Mm-hmm. Actions, not just words. Pharaoh's words mean like nothing. Because he's obviously just putting on a show here. Um, because Moses does intercede on his behalf. And then we see in verse 35 that Pharaoh's heart was hardened and he did not let the people of Israel go just as the Lord had spoken. Um, so in this case, Pharaoh hardens his own heart. So he repents, God delivers him from his suffering, and then his heart is further hardened. Um, so again, this shows us the only way to be truly repentant is if your heart truly changes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a very serious topic. Funny. <laughs> She's making it so cute. Um, a truly changed heart hates sin. Like Maddie said, you're on your knees begging for forgiveness. You never want to do it again. If Pharaoh was truly repentant, he would let the people go, no questions asked, and he would beg the Lord for forgiveness. But that's not what we see here. Um, he, we see that his heart is completely hardened again. Um, so now we're in chapter 10, and we're hitting the eighth plague, the locusts. So the question that God is asking the Egyptians here is, where are your gods? And this plague is crazy because it's attacking a whole lot of gods. And God, big G God, is showing that he is the head honcho. It's been a while since I've said head honcho. <laughs> when we were doing like coffee and conversations over the summer, and we were like going through like Christianity versus like other religions, I would always say head honcho because I'd be like... Like, I'd say, like, the head honcho of one religion, head honcho of another religion. Good times. Yes, that is what they are. Um, So these locusts take over the land, and it's kind of gross to think about, but there's so many of them that you can't even see the ground. So it's like you're just walking through, like, a sea of locusts. And they cover everything. They're over all the houses. They destroy all the crops, all the land. Um, And it's unlike anything the world has ever seen. And I don't know. I guess, like, locusts. Are locusts and cicadas the same thing? Are they kind of the same? Oh, that's what I was thinking. I think Big, so. That's where my mind went. So, like, our, like this summer was, like, cicada summer, right? Yeah. Oh, and yeah. so it was, like, so loud, right? It was, like, <laughs> like anytime you'd go through the country. And so that, that's kind of what I pictured, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember one time I drove out to your house, and it was really loud. They were, like, locusts. I was, like, yeah. attack me. Oh, my God. Yeah. I don't think they attacked me. I just don't think they realized that I was human. So they were, like, oh, Yeah. But, like, imagine, like, hundreds and thousands of those like it was so bad um and god was making a statement that literally no god stands before him so i did some research and i found all the gods that had to do with the crops and the life and the grain of the fields um and god is basically saying like where are these gods where are they gonna like are they gonna help you where did they go you know so there is min m-i-n uh the god of crops and obviously like, the crops are gone. The crops are dead. So, men is dead. Sorry, men. <laughs> um, and then there's Isis, the goddess of life. Um, and all life that was on in Egypt was suffering. So, where's the god of life if all life is suffering? And then the god Nepri, um, N-E-P-R-I, the god of grain. There was no grain. So, is the god of grain dead? Um, Anubis, A-N-U-B-I-S the guardian of the field. Um, obviously, he's not doing much guarding because the fields are covered with locusts. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then we have Serehim, S-E-R-E-H-U-M, 
protector against pests. And this is the funniest one for me, because obviously there's no protection going on. There's a lot of pests in Egypt. There's flies and locusts and all those things. Um, so all these gods are just like not helping the Egyptians at all. And so God is saying louder than ever that he alone is God. Um, all these other gods that they trusted in, that they worshiped, that they looked to, that they prayed to, they were nowhere to be found and they had been destroyed by God with these plagues so easily. Um, so we see that God's purpose was to destroy everything that the hail left behind. So the hail destroyed a lot of things, but with the locusts, God destroyed everything else. The Egyptians were literally being stripped away from everything that they trusted in. And they were pointed directly to the Israelites who are over here living just like their normal lives, not being affected by anything. Um, so I can't imagine being an Egyptian during that time and being like, what are we doing wrong? You look like you're going to say something, Maddie. No, my basically said the same thing I just said. I just put quotes. Why aren't they helping you? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. You all these people, yet why? Yeah, yeah, I know. And then you, and I'm sure the people were looking to Pharaoh like, what the heck, man? Like, yeah. do something. Help us. You're supposed to be our leader. Um, but Pharaoh was just too selfish to look yeah. beyond his own pride. Um, so yeah, we'll, we see that in, chap- in not chapter, in verse 7. Um, then Pharaoh's servants said to him, How long shall this man be a snare to us? Let the man go, that they may serve the Lord their God. Do you not yet understand that Egypt is ruined? So everyone around Pharaoh, all the people, all the servants, they knew what was going on. Pharaoh was just so blind that he didn't see what was actually going on. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever been in a situation, maybe you were like Pharaoh, you were blind, but everyone else around you could see, or maybe you're one of the people where you can see, but the person you want to talk to is blind. Um, have you guys ever been in a situation like that? Nope. Yeah? What's it like? Frustrating. Yeah, well, looking back at it, it's like, yeah, how did I not see all mm. that? Yeah. Yeah. It's just like complete blindness in the moment. Yeah. Yeah. What were you going to say, Maddie? Yeah. 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 Frustrating and discouraging. Yeah. On both sides, you kind of come out on the other, like, yeah. Yeah. And you look, especially when you're the person that's blind and you, and you come out on the other side and you look back. You frustrate with yourself. And then you're like, man. I was so blinded by whatever that was. Um, and that just shows us that only God can open our eyes. Only God can soften our hearts. There will be many times in your life that you're trying to convince someone with a hard heart. And you don't have the power to soften it. Only God does. Um, and the crazy thing is God t- sometimes chooses to harden someone's heart. And sometimes God chooses to soften someone's heart. And it's all his will. It's all his sovereignty. But he's the only one that can do it. Um, which is really hard to trust sometimes because sometimes you're like, God, you'd get so much glory if their heart was just softened. Like, what are you doing? But he has a plan. He has a purpose. And somehow he works it all together for his glory. Um, And Pharaoh's heart is hard, obviously. But it's going to take him a long time to learn what he needs to learn because when our hearts are hard, it takes a long time to chip it away, right? Like, long time. Um, And then we see Pharaoh wants to repent again in verse 16. Um... You almost have to be like, Pharaoh, like, what are you doing? (laughs) Like, just faking it. Um, But verse 16, he says, Then Pharaoh hastily called Moses and Aaron said, I have sinned against the Lord your God and against you. Now, therefore, forgive my sin, please, only this once, and plead with the Lord your God only to remove this death from me. I love how he says only this once. (laughs) 
Once more, please. Is that what your says? Once yeah, more. Says, now forgive my sin once more and praise the Lord your God. Take yeah. Plague away from me. Yeah. I just put myself in Moses' shoes sometimes. And Moses goes to the Lord and pleads on Pharaoh's half over and over and over again. Like, Moses is just like, I don't know. He's just demonstrating the heart of Jesus so much. Yeah. Like, being willing to pray for someone who is your enemy. Um, so it's so cool to see, like, the heart of Jesus in someone in the Old Testament. I love when I see that. It's so cool. Um, so, yeah, we see that Pharaoh's heart still hardened. Um, and it's only going to get worse from here. Um, the final plague that we're covering tonight, um, my favorite one, not my favorite one because I, you know, it's hard to choose a favorite plague, but the one that is most interesting to me, um, is the plague of darkness. Um, have you guys ever been in the darkness, like, so thick that you can't even, like, see your hand in front of you? Yeah. The high school. The high school. Yeah, that's, like, where my mind goes. Yeah. I was in a cave, like, in, like a, um, in a boat. And, like, they took us to the back of the cave, and it was just mm. pitch black, turned off all of their, like, flashlights and everything. It was so, yeah. so scary. It's so, like, why why is being in the pitch black so scary? scary. It's unknown. <laughs> yeah. You don't know what's out there. Yeah, it's you, unknown. You lose control. Mm-hmm. When you see things, you, can, you have at least a little bit of control. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No control when you can't see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What do you feel when you're in, like, a totally dark room, dark cave? Completely anxious. Anxious? I mean, it's like, I feel like it's just like my room. I feel like my room is pitch black. And yeah. But it's my room. My other right. senses are yeah. at play. But I'm like, if you put me in a cave, I'd be like, no. <laughs> yeah. Just no. like the tent. Yeah. My room, it makes me feel safe. And then my room, it's like, oh, total darkness. I don't know. I like. But since you're familiar with it. Since I'm familiar with my surroundings, yes. Yeah. Where you're going is, like, if I was in a cave. Yeah. Or if I knew, like, other people were in there. Like, <gasps> I think it's, like, where are they? Ah! Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Knowing there's other people in there. Oh, like, so yeah. bad. It's so bad. Just like, picking everything. Cause I yeah. I can see them, but yeah. I knew people were I'm like, in I there. hope no one touches me. Like, duh. I get away. Someone. I feel like it was you. No? I kicked someone. Oh, like, yeah. I think it was... Yeah. Very lightly. I do that too, like in the room, I, I foot scan. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, sorry if you're in my way. Sometimes I have to get a little Yeah. So when we're in complete darkness, there's feelings of panic, fear, anxiety, desperation. Like, you're desperate to get out of that space. Um, so darkness that covered Egypt was so dark that verse 21 says that it could, like, be felt. Like, the darkness was so thick, so heavy that they could, like, feel it, which is kind of like, oh, that's crazy. And it was, like, so, so like dark that you couldn't even see your hand in front of you you couldn't see the people across the room from you you couldn't see anything so they lived in absolute darkness um but looking at verse 23 we see that god's people live in the light um and this is a wonderful picture i think because throughout the new testament especially it refers to the people of god as the city set on a hill so like in the darkness the city set on a hill is the one that lights up the dark valley um, the, the light that shines in the house, you know, like the, like, don't cover, what's that, um, in the Sermon on the Mount, like, don't put a thing over your, uh, don't bucket. hide your light bucket, right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Like a, yeah, a like, don't hide, light. yeah, don't put a shade over your light. Yeah. And then, Jesus is described as the light of the world. Um, so it's just like this picture that God's people, if they're it, within God, that they're and they're abiding in God and they're living in God, they're where the light is at. But the rest of the the, the rest of the world outside, 
of the light is complete darkness. So God's people always live in light because God is the light of the world. And then we are called to also be the light. And I think it's so cool that God puts a little picture here where all of Egypt is in darkness, but his people live in the light. So the question God is asking all the people here is, where is your hope? Because light represents hope, right? Maddie and I were talking about this yesterday when we were reading a psalm together, and um, it was just saying that darkness may continue for a night, but joy comes in the morning. So with the morning, there's hope, there's new mercies, there is this like um, sense of a new day, um, that darkness won't last forever, but joy that comes in the morning, that light comes in the morning. Um, so light gives us this picture of hope. And for those who know Jesus and their, their, and their foundation is built upon him, nothing can shake them because they live in the light and they know where they're going. We know where we're going. We're going to heaven one day. And so like, it doesn't matter what we go through on this earth, as hard as it may be. We know that one day on the other side, we'll be in eternity with Jesus. We hope in God because he's powerful and strong and kind and good and he's trustworthy and he's so much more powerful than anything else in this whole world. Um, So that's where our light comes from. But the Egyptians had nothing. They trusted in these false gods that couldn't do anything for them and they lived in complete darkness because they didn't know who God was. Um, So God is asking them, kind of like with a megaphone, he's like, where is your hope? You're in total darkness. Like, turn to me. And I think that sometimes the Lord takes away things from us to ask us that same question of where is your hope? Um, what little gods have you been trusting in? Because sometimes when God chooses to take things away from us, he's showing us, okay, maybe my, a little bit of my hope was in this person. Maybe a little bit of my hope is in this thing. And then when God takes it away, you realize that, and then you get to put more of your hope in him because all of our hope is supposed to go in him. Um, it's Psalm 35, not 35, 30, verse, verse 5. five. 30 verse 5. It's a good psalm. Um, So Pharaoh is starting to break down a little bit here. He says that he's willing to let the people go. Um, He said that he will let the people go, but not the cattle and the livestock. But Moses is like, no, all the people and the cattle and the livestock must go. So yeah, uh, la, 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 la. where's my thoughts? Guys, I am so, so sorry. No, it's okay. I'm sorry because I'm, I'm so scatterbrained tonight, but it's okay. Sometimes you just have those days where you're just like, whoa. whoa. It's okay to not be. I have a question. Yeah. So you're talking about darkness. Do you think that you basically like blinded the Egyptians? Because he's like, because I would think if. I saw other people in the light. I would be able to walk to them. Yeah. If it's like the total darkness, I think they would be blind. Yeah. yeah I wonder oh, if they did. Because you, you yeah. said that they felt darkness. Yeah. So it's not even like they were like, oh, that light over the there light. looks nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Why would they go over to the light? Yeah. And I, I mean, think I about that. Yeah. I was like, yeah, yeah this well. is pitch black. And I was like, oh, there's a light. I could go to it. Maybe right. they probably saw like the shade of it because like I mean if people are blind they still are right. able to see like yeah. the difference between like dark but I mean they were I don't know yeah I, I that's a really good that. thought and I guess think about it too sometimes when we're living in sin we can't see the light mm. so that because I know darkness is like a uh, what's the word I'm looking for metaphor yeah, yeah. thank you <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for this, this yeah specific part so yeah mm. yeah like they were so 
blind that they couldn't even see where the light was. And, and a lot, like, yeah. in sin, sometimes that's how it is, Oh, too. for sure. So, I'm not saying they're directly correlated, right. but, like, that's... That's a good point. I mean, we were talking about this yesterday, too. Sometimes it's so easy to get so consumed in sin or in Hmm. whatever is happening. That, like, that's all you can think about. And you, like, don't, you just don't have enough room for or for anything else. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that's a good point. And even if, like, so they realized that they couldn't see anything. Um, Oh, where was they going with that? I have a good point. Oh, and it reminds me of a Pharaoh in this, too. Mm. Because did he realize that he was sinning? Yes. Yeah. Maybe did he realize that he wanted to change? Yes. But ultimately, the sin got back into his heart, and that's why his heart kept marking. Yeah, you're right. So, yeah. a lot of metaphors in, in, I, in, yeah. in Exodus. I yeah, I love, and I love metaphors. I think God loves metaphors, too. That's why he puts so yeah. many of them. But that's such a good point of, like, Obviously, the people of Egypt, at least for the three days that they had that darkness, had no idea that the Hebrew people had light. Maybe they found out afterwards. Like, I don't know. And I also think God is so, like, he can do anything that maybe, like, his light shines, right? So somehow he contained the light to this one area and didn't allow it to shine to, like, the rest of Egypt. Because even one light has the ability to shine, like, like five miles, I think. That's why you can see a lighthouse on a, like a on a beach when you're like miles and miles away from it. So I don't know. I just thought that because it's like even people are living in light, so they're able to see everything. Yeah. It's like if they're living in darkness, like they just think the Hebrew people are just walking around, and other people are just like, yeah. can't. It's like they probably were walking right next to them, and they couldn't even tell. Them. Yeah. Like, no, yeah, and they probably. <laughs> I feel like if you can't see anything, you just sit with like three days. You just sit, and you can't do anything. I wonder what the experience of the Hebrew people was watching. Yeah. <laughs> like, could they see the darkness? Where they're like, oh, it's a little shady over there. I bet they could feel it because it said it was tangible. Yeah, right. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe one day in heaven we'll know exactly what it was like. But now we can just slowly picture it. Yeah. But, wow, that's a really good thought. Good conversation, guys. Um, so yeah, Pharaoh is breaking down little by little, but I love what you said, Delaney, about how his the sin just crept right back into his heart. So he like repented, and then it was like back back to sinful ways. My heart is hard. My heart is hard. Um, and we see that God in this last plague before the Passover, He hardens Pharaoh's heart. So I think it's um, um, verse yeah, verse twenty seven. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and He would lo- not let them go. Um, so I was thinking about this and thinking, why, why in the world would God harden Pharaoh's heart? Like, because the Passover we're going to talk about is a really hard plague. Hundreds and hundreds of children die because of it. And so I, I have to ask myself the question, why, why would God allow this to happen? Like, that doesn't make sense. Like, and of course, like his ways are so much greater than our ways and he had to display his glory and his power somehow. But I also think that it's good for us to think about, like, we, we have naturally hard hearts towards the Lord, right? Praise the Lord that God was gracious enough to soften our hearts and we're not walking around like Pharaoh with a hard heart, blind eyes, but rather he was gracious enough to soften our hearts, open our eyes and like help us come to him because we're totally incapable of coming to him without him helping us. Even though we have the same, we have like that free choice, that free will to choose him, but he also helps us. It's like so confusing to think about, 
But God has the power to soften and harden hearts. And if you trust in Jesus and you know him as your savior, he softened your heart. And so it's like, rather than focusing on why God chose to harden Pharaoh's heart, I just keep focusing on why in the world he chose to soften my heart. You know, like why me? Why did God have grace on me and allow my heart to be softened and allow, and allow my eyes to be open to his grace and his mercy and, and allow me to be saved? Because I deserve what Pharaoh got, which was just the waves of the Nile crashing over him and him dying. I deserve death. But God in his mercy sent his son to die for me and opened my eyes to salvation. And I have received mercy upon mercy upon mercy more than I could ever earn. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think that changes the way that we view the harding, hardening of Pharaoh's heart, simply thinking about how gracious God is when our hearts are softened. Um, and if your heart is hard, right, if you're, I can't say that, if your heart is hardened right now, I encourage you to go before the Lord and plead with him to soften it. Because he's the one that's sovereign over our hearts. So if you plead with him to soften it, he will do that. Um, even if like it takes like every ounce in you to ask the Lord to soften your heart, um, he'll do it. He takes our rock-hard hearts and he softens them and makes them hearts of flesh. Um, hearts that like beat to the rhythm of his will um, and want to do what he wants. Um, so yeah, that is my little thought for tonight. Um, do you guys have any questions over like those two chapters or things that like really like stuck out to you, spoke to you, make you wonder? I mean, I think I mean I didn't really read chapter ten or chapter nine. That's okay. But, like, at the very like twenty eight or twenty nine, he's like, it's just crazy. He's like, get out of my sight, and I was like. <laughs> Yeah. I was like, you confused. You called him back and back and back. It's like, you know you're going to call him back yet again. Oh, yeah. But then he's like, you will die. And Moses is like, oh, yeah. Yeah, right. Like, you're, you're going to kill me. That's how I interpreted that Yeah. I was like, sure, fine. Don't call me again, but you're, you're going to call me. Yeah. That's what I got. <laughs> Those last two lines. I think that was crazy. Yeah, that is so interesting. Where he's like, get out of my sight. Okay, Moses, come back. <laughs> <laughs> get out of my sight. That's yeah. the prediction of what's going to happen. Yeah. We're only, we got how many chapters? Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> we're in another area. We've got three more. <laughs> oh, yeah. We're not doing the whole book of Exodus, though, I don't think. So does it just mean, like, Exodus is, like, the exiting of Egypt, pretty yes. much? Okay. Yeah. And a little afterwards, because I want to, they go to, like, Mount Sinai, which is, like, really cool, and I want to cover that, too. So we'll cover that, too. But, yeah. I think it's cool that... Like, Pharaoh just keeps going back to Moses, and, like, Moses was able to show that was God like working through him too like that did not come from Moses because like Moses at the beginning of Exodus was like a murderer who like you know didn't want to even do God's will yeah and I think that's also cool because like in the same way like the the way that Moses like gets that from the Lord like yeah we can't do anything Mm. 
Yeah. Which is something I you clearly know that I'm learning. <laughs> yeah. I think we're all Everyone learning that. Everyone clearly knows that I'm learning. But. Yeah. I think we're all learning that though. So that's also just like a cool thing that like Moses can't do it without the Lord. Yeah. Like neither. Yeah. So true. Any other thoughts? Things that stuck out to you? Confused you? Um, this is just like a typical question, but obviously we don't have gods, like little idols that we bow down to. Um, but what are some of our modern day idols that if God were to do the plagues again, like what would he, what would he go after? Technology. Technology. That would be a scary plague. Really? It's like, what? I have time to read. Yeah. I'm really bad at reading. Yeah, social media takes up a lot of time when you let it. It was the fact that I went to it when I was bored, but yet was still bored doing it. I was like, sit down. Yeah. Literally, I was scrolling TikTok. I was like, okay, delete. Wow, that was fast. TikTok sucks your time away from you. I I feel like. I like certain topics that I really like instead of just random videos. But then I was like, that'd be dumb because then I would still be on it. Yeah. Yeah. Technology is definitely a big one. Any other thoughts? What are what are some idols that God is probably not happy with? Think like my circumstances. Yeah. Like it's really easy to like worship God in a time when like everything seems fine, mm-hmm. but you kind of like see your true colors like if things like start to change. Yeah. So, and then like through that, hopefully, like you get to know God more. Similarly to how God like took away the um, like took away all like the gods mm-hmm. of Egypt and all of a sudden the Egyptians are like oh like there's there's like something else here like there's another god and this is who he is yeah so maybe like by changing circumstances he kind of like shows that to us yeah yeah for sure that is so interesting like when our comforts are taken away from us and things that like make us happy are taken away it shows like where our hope actually is in our, like you said <laughs> Any other thoughts? What are some modern day idols? I was just thinking like, well, if technology is like taken away, like electricity, basically, Mm -hmm. like you wouldn't be able to like go to the grocery store. You wouldn't be able to like go like get gas. um, That probably runs on electronics. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Um, Or restaurants or anything like that. Huh. Just like all those like everyday yeah. things that we take and like we just not don't just even like, think about. Not just like, you know, T V and phone. Yeah. But like other things that huh. we get taken away with that. Yeah. yeah. Like our cars. Yeah. Would you say our cars can Yeah. Huh? Money? money? Oh, for sure, yeah. Yeah. Like I mean, I feel like everybody idols money because in our world today we need it. Yeah. And back then it was like, Oh, here's a shekel. There you go. <laughs> Here. Like, <laughs> well, back then, back then, they're like, they're like livestock was their money, and like yeah. how much like they could grain they could produce was their money, and so God definitely attacked their money yeah. by killing their livestock and destroying their grain. So I think it's just a big thing. So I mean, yeah. now you look at everything, and it's like everything you have to pay for. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Yeah, we can have a lot of different idols. I mean, the Egyptians had hundreds of idols, so we can't think that we can't have hundreds of idols, too. We have to always be on guard against them. Um, so, knowing that God is sovereign over every person's heart, 
How does this encourage you? encouraging because I think that um, I think this a lot like I have the power like in my pride I have the power to change someone's heart but it's like not true I I have to remind myself this all the time like that the Lord is sovereign over people's hearts that he has a plan for their life that he's going to guide them and sometimes like we are just the planters right we just plant the seed and the person moves on and maybe another person plants a seed and then maybe 12 other people plant a seed and that 12 person 12 person gets to see them come to know the Lord um, and I might never know that, but I was just the seed planter. And so it, it gives me so much comfort to know, okay, it's not on me to change them. I can speak truth and I can pray for them and pray for other people to come into their life, but it's not on me. Thank goodness it's not on me. I would just crush, be crushed under the pressure. Pressure that. Oh my goodness. I love that song. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I love that song. <laughs> oh. Uh, so I have three questions for you guys tonight, and I bet you already know them. And you guys can just write them down, and um, you can do them during your devotion time at some point. And just, like, really dig deep into your heart. But the three questions are the same three questions that God had for the Egyptians. Where do you run for refuge? Where are your gods, or who are your gods, and where is your hope? And you can just do some self-reflecting, praying and asking the Lord. Oh, okay. Where do you run for refuge? Who, or what, or where are your gods? <laughs> I mean, each, each one of those questions works. And where is your hope? One more time? Okay. Cool. Um, and yeah, that is all I have. Yeah, sorry. I really feel like I was so scatterbrained tonight, so thank you for bearing with me. Um, but I'll pray for us, and then we will pray again once we do prayer. All right. Um, dear Holy Father, Lord, um, Thank you for who you are, that you are a God of power and might and a God who is um, jealous for his people, that you don't want anyone else worshiping any God other than you because you know that what's best for us is to worship you and to love you and to live in you. Um, Lord, thank you for the reminder that you are a refuge, that you are a hope, um, that you are the one that we can trust in and cling to and that there are no other gods that even stand a chance, no other idols that are worth worshiping and there's no other thing worth worshiping other than you. Lord, I just pray for everyone here and the different things they're walking through and um, 
God, I just pray that each one of them would use the, the trials in their life to just bring them closer to you. Would you just work in every single person's heart here? Um, make us soft and moldable to your will. Um, help us love you more, Lord. In your name I pray. Amen.